Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Maria Konnikova will join us to discuss the confidence game. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Show. Well, how do cons deceive people and what makes them successful? More importantly, what allows us to fall for cons over and over again? Well, these are the questions that uh, Ms. Maria Konnikova tackles in The Confidence Game. Ms. Konnikova's articles have appeared online and in print in several print editions, such as The New Yorker, The Atlantic, and The New York Times. And uh, she's blogged regularly for The New Yorker and formerly wrote the literally cite column for Scientific American. Author of several works in this book, The Confidence Game, Why We Fall For It Every Time, explores the issue of confidence, tricksters, and, and their methods. And uh, Ms. Konnikova Kofa, thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thanks so much for having me. Certainly our pleasure. Certainly a fascinating book uh, you've written here called The Confidence Game. I'm curious why you decided to write the book. Well, originally um, it was because of David Mamet. Um, I, I realize it's a very unscientific answer, but I was watching the film House of Games, and I realized that um, the protagonist was a very smart woman. You know, she had a PhD in psychology. She had written a book about psychology. She saw patients and really understood psychology, and yet she found herself the victim of this very elaborate long con, and by the end of the movie was just absolutely devastated emotionally, financially, just her life was in tatters. It was ruined. Um, her practice was ruined. Everything was ruined. Um, and I, I wondered, you know, well, this isn't normally how you think of victims. You normally think of them as certainly not ridiculously smart, successful people. You think of them as kind of suckers, saps, um, people who don't know any better. So I thought, well, how does this happen? How does someone who's that intelligent actually end up the victim of a con artist? Um, and not just intelligent, but a psychologist, someone who should know better. And um, I wanted to figure that out, and I realized that no one had ever explored it. No one had ever written about it, so that's why I decided to write the book. <laughs> and uh, so how did, how did you go about trying to investigate this? Well, I spent multiple years um, interviewing con artists, interviewing victims, and then looking at the psychology literature um, to figure out you know, what, was, what was driving, what the expl- explanatory factors were behind some of the things that I was witnessing some of the trends, some of the similarities, some of the phenomena that I first identified through the interviews. And, and did you uncover anything that uh, sort of linked uh, either the connors themselves or, the, or their victims? Well, um, I did figure out some things that con artists have in common, and I want to caveat that by saying that not all con artists have these things, and if you have all of these things, that doesn't make you a con artist. Um, But one of the things that I identified was the so-called dark triad of traits, and that's psychopathy or the basically the lack of empathy. You don't feel emotions. You don't empathize with people the way that that other people do, Um, and that enables you to take advantage 
advantage of others because you don't feel bad about doing it. You think it's totally fine. The second part of the triad is narcissism or a very inflated ego and sense of self. It comes with a really deep sense of entitlement. So you you do all of these things because you say, oh, I can do it. You know, I have it coming to me. It's totally fine. Um, I deserve it. Um, And the the final part of the triad is Machiavellianism, and that derives from Machiavelli, um, from his ideal prince. And it is basically a... Characteristic that allows you to use the skills of persuasion for your own deceptive ends, and that's something that con artists have to do all the time. And I did find that a lot of con artists possessed one, two, or all three of those traits. That said, there are some who have none of them, and once again, there are people who are dark triadists who end up in totally legitimate professions, not con artists at all. Hmm. And so, so what makes for a successful con then? Well, I think that. The one thing that all successful cons have in common are a good story that makes sense of the world on some level. I think that every victim, and not just every victim, every human, and this is why we're all potential victims, the one thing that we all crave is meaning. Um, We want a world that makes sense, where cause and effect happen, where we have, you know, laws of behavior we hate. We, we just can't stand it if you tell us that, you know, things just happen, that it's chaos, that no, not everything happens for a reason, that it just happens. Um, it's really disorienting to us. And so what all good con artists do is they tell beautiful stories that create meaning for us and that make the world into the type of world that we want it to be. And so at the, at the end, every single con is nothing more than a story. And are those who fall for these stories, are they particularly susceptible to to falling for the stories, or or what makes a, a victim a victim? So I think that every single person is a potential victim because we all want to believe in these stories. And a lot of people have tried to figure out what makes a mark a mark, and are there any characteristics that um, that actually unite all marks? And what they found is that personality-wise, not really. Um, there are certain things that will make you a more likely mark. One of those um, is where you happen to be in your life. Are you in an emotionally vulnerable state? So life upheavals can actually make you a much better target because that ups that sense of uncertainty and that need for explanation and for meaning. So it could be something like a death in the family, um, a loss of a job. It could be something positive like a marriage. Um, it could be moving across the country where you're just uprooted and you're no longer with your friend's support network. It doesn't really matter. It just has to be a big life change. And when that happens, you become more emotionally vulnerable, and that's the perfect time for a con artist to strike and to give you that meaning that you crave even more than you would normally. Mm. So are there any ways that we can protect ourselves from these cons? Just uh... Unfortunately, we're all just potential marks. Um, and, that you know, I say unfortunately, but that's not – I don't want people to, to get really – bummed out and discouraged because most people are not con artists and most of the time it's actually good to trust other people. There's a lot of work that shows that higher levels of trust are correlated with all sorts of good things like intelligence, health, happiness, positive life outcomes. We know that high levels of generalized trust in societies tend to go along with higher economic development, better social institutions, better infrastructures, just stronger countries in general. And so 
trusting is actually a very good and evolutionarily beneficial thing. So yeah, we are all potential marks, but no, that shouldn't make us throw up our hands and say, oh, this is terrible. You know, in a, in a way, I hope that my book gives you permission to be a mark and to say, you know what, this is part of what makes me human, and that's totally okay. I, I think a lot of people would just say, uh, you, you know, they'd never fall for a con artist, but uh, it could certainly happen, right? Absolutely. Well, you'd be surprised. So the book only came out yesterday, um, and I already have irate notes from people saying, your subtitle is crap because you say why we all fall for it. Well, I would never fall for it. Um, that is a misleading subtitle. Only suckers fall for it. And I say, well, actually, that's the point of the book. <laughs> but but uh, that's okay. You're entitled to your opinion. Um, and, and I think that that's what everyone wants to believe, which is why we're all victims, because no one wants to think of themselves as a victim. So do you have any uh, tips on how to spot a con? Well, I think that we should always question things that seem too good to be true. What happens is when it's happening to someone else, we always say, hey, um, that seems a little too good to be true. Maybe you should watch out. When it's happening to us, we don't ask questions. We're like, oh, score. This is awesome. I totally deserve this. Um, and we stop being skeptical. We stop being cynical at the moment where we most need to be skeptical and cynical. And I think that really establishing the mentality of, you know, there is no such thing as the exception to the rule, and everything that seems too good to be true really is too good to be true. There are no exceptions to that. I think that could help us avoid some of the things that might lead to getting conned. It won't, it won't help us avoid all cons all the time, but it will at least make us slightly better consumers. I think other things that we can do are just best practices in the sense of, you know, technology makes us much easier to con. And you have no idea how much personal information you put online every single day with every single interaction. And so being a little bit more vigilant about that. For instance, I never accept Facebook requests from someone I don't know or know exactly who it is because all it takes is one person to penetrate your network and all of a sudden you're vulnerable to a lot of different things. Um, and, you know, things like that you are pretty practical steps that you can take to avoid being conned. Do you have a favorite con story? Um, I don't have a favorite, but I have one that really just stuck with me and that I ended up exploring throughout the entire book, um, which was the case of Ferdinand Waldo de Mara, who became famous as the great imposter. Um, I opened the book with him um, with, I think, one of his most spectacular cons where he impersonated being a naval surgeon and successfully conned the Canadian Navy into giving him a commission during the Korean War. He was given control over a ship. He was the only doctor on board, so he had the lives of hundreds of men under his care. This guy never finished high school, um, and he ended up actually conducting surgeries, which is which is kind of crazy. Um, so he cut people open. It didn't stop him that he had no idea what he was doing. He figured, oh, I can do this. You know, why not? What's so hard about cutting someone open? That was, it's kind of crazy. And so he, then he was unmasked um, and no one pressed charges because the Canadian Navy was way too embarrassed to press any charges. And so then he went back to the U.S. and went on to just keep conning for decades after that. So this is a guy who's, you know, the con that keeps on giving. <laughs> well, in the book, you also discuss some victims that fell for the same con twice. Well, I think that's possible because a lot of times people don't realize they've fallen for a scam. Because we really don't want to believe that we're, that we're victims and that we're suckers, 
we're incredibly good at rationalizing and at dismissing things um, away as just matters of bad luck. So we'll say, you know, oh, that wasn't a scam, that wasn't a con, um, I just, you know, I, I was just unlucky. Um, I took a gamble and it didn't pay out. And so we choose, we really con ourselves and we end up um, rationalizing away the fact that we ever were conned, and so instead of learning from our mistakes, we don't even re we don't admit that we've made the mistakes, and so we actually become more likely to fall for it a second time because we've done such a good job convincing ourselves that it was just bad luck. Then why wouldn't you take that same chance again? This time your luck is going to change. Hmm. So then, if you are prone to falling for it once, you're prone for just falling for it again. Absolutely, and there's actually I found out that. Um, there are these lists of repeat suckers hmm. that um, get circulated around that con artists can purchase. Um, and these are people who've fallen for a scam before. And I mean, these lists go for a lot of money because that means that these are very good marks indeed. Mm. Because uh, if you've fallen once, you're going to fall again. Say <laughs> so you've been taken in by a con, or are there ways of coping, dealing with it? Any recommendations for those who've fallen prey? Well, I think that one of the things that we've talked that we've talked about briefly is that you need to give yourself permission to be conned. You have to realize that it's actually okay. Um, I think a lot of people are really, really embarrassed. They don't want to admit it, whether to themselves or to other people, and they feel really guilty about it. It weighs on them. And I think that just giving people permission to be victims and saying it's not your fault, you're not complicit in it, you know, you're not greedy, you're not a bad person, you're not dishonest, you weren't doing anything wrong, um, you just got conned. I think that would actually help a lot of people emotionally be able to deal with it. And I think the other thing is actually try to learn from your mistakes. You know, be open enough about it. Try to be honest with yourself and figure out what went wrong so that in the future you can try to avoid some of those same red flags. Once again, all of this is easier said than done. It's very easy to dispense this type of advice on behalf of other people. Taking it yourself can be incredibly difficult. Indeed. Uh, are con artists themselves, or do they fall prey to cons? Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. They are sometimes some of the best victims, and I have interviewed several con artists who've conned other con artists. By the way, this is one of those situations where no con artist will ever admit falling <laughs> for a con, but other people will tell you about how they conned another con artist because they they fall victim to overconfidence. They think that because they know cons, because they con other people, um, that they can't possibly be conned, and so they become incredibly good targets. Um, one of the people I write about, Oscar Hartzell, um, perpetrated one of the big cons of the 20, of the early 20th century um, with the Drake fortune. So he basically pretended that Sir Francis Drake had left behind this huge treasure that was basically unobtainable because of bureaucracy, because the British bureaucracy didn't want people to have it, but that they were they had been fighting for decades to free this fortune and that they were very, very close to succeeding. There was just a little bit of red tape left and he needed some money to grease the wheels. So he got millions of dollars. Um, all of these people gave him money. He was really, really good. And he ended up being conned by a psychic. So he, um, he ended up giving 
tens of thousands of dollars to this psychic in London um, who just took him in completely. He thought that she was a real psychic. So here's this very sophisticated con artist who falls for what one would think was one of the most basic scams of all time. So we are indeed possible victims. Absolutely. Uh, On the flip side, are we all potential con artists? Um, No, I don't think we are um, because... What makes us victims is something that's very basic to being human. It's that need for belief, that need for meaning. But what makes a con artist not just the desire, but the ability to really take advantage of other people. That ability doesn't come easily to everyone. You need to be really charismatic. You need to be really persuasive. I think a lot of people want to be con artists and end up being two-bit hustlers. They can't make it as a con artist because everyone sees through them. They look sleazy. Um, they they aren't the type of person who you're going to trust. Um, and that that's, to me, one of the best illustrations of the fact that um, that con artists really are a special breed. And I think if you put the exact same person in the same circumstance, one of them might become a con artist, the other one wouldn't. Um, so I don't think I don't think it's a I don't think it's a question of the same sort of basic human drive um, as it is with victimhood. That said, we all perpetrate minor cons on a daily basis, but I just don't think that it really falls under the definition of a con. It's things like, you know, telling people they look good when they really don't. Which are really white lies. Uh, well, we are running slightly out of time. I'm just curious if uh, you have any final words on cons, con artists, and their victims. Well, I think that the one thing that I would say is that I don't, uh, um, I don't want to make pessimists and cynics out of everyone. Um, I want people to leave the book feeling optimistic and thinking, you know. Yes, this happens, but most people are good, and the world is really not a terrible place. And yes, um, you know, some people are out to get me, but. Overall, you know, we're pretty lucky to live in a world with as many good people as we do, because um, I'm, I'm afraid that people will become very discouraged, um, and that's not at all what I'm trying to do. Okay. Uh, well, the new book is called The Confidence Game, Why We Fall for It Every Time, and the author is Ms. Maria Konnikova. And Ms. Konnikova, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.